So um, a reason to start off, you know, like, like I said in my intro, um, a lot of people have very, very sincere and extremely hot, romantic relationship, like another Romeo and Juliet. But um, this will last during like the uh, engagement period or the um, casual relationship. But a few months later, or sometimes a few years later after the marriage or like um, whatever kind of official relationship they have, it fades away or goes away. So um, why does love fade after um, an official relationship? It's um, because we are dictated by our hormones. So as, um, as mammals, we are um, following whatever our chemicals in our bodies that happen. So we have three chemicals and each chemical lasts for a certain time of your lifetime or lifespan. So for instance, when you are in the first stage, when you just meet someone, when you're in the lust stage, the best way to explain this is like, imagine your body and we have three levels. So the first thing you're gonna feel is what I call below the belt. That's the lust stage. And this only lasts like two months. That's it. It's just lust. It's like that uh, instinct. You want to just be with somebody physically. Then the next stage comes in what we call the love, which is the heart. You start to feel your heart pumping, your dopamine kicks in, the happy hormone, the sweating hormones that you, you're attached to the person. Normally, this relationship lasts between this hormone. Cannot, I was told, I don't know how true this is, about two to three years. Mm -hmm. That's when people see just the good side of the person. The last stage I would call the brain. So you've got the under the belt, the heart, the brain. The brain is when you get to see the person's true colors, who they really are. Uh, it takes time. It, you can't say you can see the person within, you know, in all sides of the coin in one day or two days. You have to experience being with the person and seeing all parts of life with them. So, which, which doesn't, you know, like naturally happen during engagement or during casual relationships because we just casually meet, we have a nice time, and then each one of us goes home. Yeah, exactly. So, it, it, it depends. And it doesn't, have, you know, it's not time specific because you may be in a situation where you get to see the true color of a person within one year. And sometimes you, you and I could be married for 10 years and everything is hokey-dokey, everything is fine, but we, we move to another country and another side of you shows up or you face trauma or you lose money or something happens, you lose the business and I get to see another side of you, right? So there's not really time specific, but people who rush into long-term commitment very fast it's dangerous. They're really gambling because I don't know which part of their body they're using to commit to the person. Are they using whatever's under the belt, their heart, or the brain? Which chemical or which hormone is um, pushing them to get married or to be involved or be in long-term relationship? You really need to be smart when you make that decision. This is a lifetime decision. It's, it's an important decision. So, and um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's, it's sort of a follow-up question here. Some people, um, they might be living together before marriage. They live together for like a couple of years. So they, they are seeing each other 24-7. And it's just a match made in heaven. But the moment they 
sign the document, things change. Um, to what extent do you agree with this statement? And, and if you do, then why? What happened? I have a friend who was living with the guy for 10 years. And then I remember she was my roommate. And uh, they got married. And I think uh, a year after the marriage, they got a divorce. From what, personally, what I noticed is that um, this piece of paper kind of comes with a lot of responsibility. It's not just a piece of paper. It's, it's a piece of paper that commits you legally to the person. Um, I want to share something with you. I always say this. I, I don't know. I came up with this and everybody tells me I'm right. And I always say, if you really want to see the true color of the person, you get to see their true color when they get power. Whenever they have power, I'm not talking money. Just give the person power and you really get to see the true colors. Somehow this piece of paper maybe gives one of the partners the power knowing that they have something on the other person. And what I've noticed is that she's the one who ruined it, not him. It wasn't the guy. I mean, I was completely against what she was doing to him. But somehow with the piece of paper, she was rolling it around. She's like, well, I got the piece of paper and I'm going to take half of your money, half of this and half of that. And I'm like, why are you doing this? What happened before? What did this piece of paper give you? So you're simply saying that before this piece, you know, signed document by both parties, um, yeah. if I want out, it would be easy. But yeah. now it's not as easy. Like there is authority. There is like, you know, there are commitments. There are bonds. So, and there is money. <laughs> money. So uh, this, like, this is tempting. It's, it, it makes, you know, like the authoritative part of you, like, you know, inflate that I have an edge, you know, here. So this is what ruins the love. That's from the experience I've seen. But it's not always the same. Um, to be quite honest, from the moment I met this girl and this guy, I knew this relationship was not going to last. I didn't even know how it lasted that long because I just saw I just saw the side of her that he didn't see. I just didn't want to say anything. But he was blinded because he was not using his head. When he was in a relationship, it was all his heart. Um, anyways, but that's just one example. It's not always the same, Hamad Yeti. It's, it depends. Did you get married really young? 16, 17, and you got married because you were forced or you thought it was true love. And then when you are 25, 26, you're like, I'm bored. This is not it. This, you're too young. You have an experienced life. So it doesn't have to be because you're married. It could be just the timing of your life. You were not ready or situations that happened. I cannot really tell you, honestly, because every person is different. Every single person is different. So uh, let's, go, let's go back again to like... Um, the official commitment, be it marriage or whatever. Um, how important is love to sustain this commitment? Like, um, you, you know, you say, you're saying it varies from one person to the other. It depends on age, depends on circumstances, et cetera, et cetera. And um, there are like different stages of love. So like there's the reptilian love. Uh, like, so it's, it's like uh, just the basic instinct of sex and um then there's there's like the uh mammalian love sort of like the 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 passion the affection and so on and so forth and then there is the intellectual love or like you know the 
the gray matter love when you start really analyzing the person who whoever they are and um which which might be um like it's not love fades away but it it, it changes and this will be my next question but but before we go to this um i want to ask you how important is love to sustain a relationship on a scale from 1 to 10 like how how fundamental is that you're going to hate me you know what freud said love is just made by society it's just an illusion it's always been an illusion uh society created the word love we we invented it ourselves maybe 6-7000 years ago the word love doesn't really mean anything the love just is a society that put it on to control people to tell them you have to you know marry the person you have to push someone to you know control them and it was kind of done mostly by men to control women the old days um but love is an illusion um if you fall in love the way i'm talking about i'm talking about the bond the trust because love is completely different to every person i can love you as a friend this is love i can love my brother i can love my dad i can love my partner um and then i may have different kind of love to my partner it could be sexual it could be attracted it could be love and bond and companionship and compassion um so what kind of love do i need to be in a good relationship i need all of it i need all of it i need to be in love with my partner i need to be in love with their who they are their essence i need to be in love with them even when they get fat even when they got old even if they lose all their hair i guess some men find that you know scary that they lose their hair um even if they get uh, paralyzed and they cannot walk and they are sick that's the love you want that's the true love so remember like last episode we talked about the the four kinds of love basically so it's um you know uh you have the uh, agape which is the unconditional love of humanity and yeah. uh, then there is like uh eros which is the um erotic love and then there's philia the uh, love of of equals and friends and then there's um uh, storge um again so um it's then like you know so in order to have a successful relationship you need all four kinds of love yep you need right. it's actually so, sorry the love you were talking about is from philosophy the love yeah. um because i know it, the previous episode has not been aired yet so i'm not going to talk too much about it but it was the triangle with the three levels of love when you have the love and the compassion and the the um um attraction when you have the three triangles now you're talking true love of philosophy you covered the philosophy and you covered the biology and you covered humanity and it's rare to have that um my parents have that you know i've seen that in my mom and dad and uh, it's hard for me to find someone like this because i'm looking for the same relationship my parents have um it's a rare kind of love our parents have nowadays it's hard to find this love and how about, how about in the past like in the past most marriages like if we talk about like the 19th century and even early 20th century mm-hmm. um you know um uh, like a lot of marriages were just organized you know like um planned marriages organized by 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 the family 
the, you know, the extended family. Um, and then uh, they, they hardly knew each other um, before marriage. But this marriage used to last. And uh, the very common word that a mother would tell her daughter is that love always comes after marriage. Love comes when you know when you you know live together. And sure. yeah, but this but you know this really happened in many you know cases. You had oh. a lot of very successful marriages, marriages that lasted until the end of their lives. We did. You're right. We did. But what happened is, keep in mind, in that time, divorce and breakup was not common. You have no choice. It, it's like it's a taboo or a stigma if a woman leaves a man or a man leaves a woman at that time. So there was a lot of, yeah, they're together, but everybody was cheating on everybody. There was a lot of extra uh, martial affairs. There was a lot of uh, women killing themselves. There was a lot of unhappy people that society doesn't talk about. Just to give you an example, Muhammad, you know, I have a lot of... Um, international students, I get a lot of students from India, and now they're telling me about what's the shift, because India is known to have a lot of arranged marriage. It, the custom is still there. Um, but in the last 10 years, the divorce has skyrocketed 300% because women's rights, now they're able to divorce. So their society is shifting, and they're telling me, yeah, like divorce, arranged marriage now is out the door because nobody, it doesn't last anymore. So it's showing you that society is shifting because it doesn't necessarily mean they were falling in love. My parents were not arranged marriage. They actually liked each other. They loved each other. They dated and then they got married. At that time, it was kind of rare. But um, I think my aunt and uncle was arranged marriage and they're happy. But I don't think they had a choice. I look at them. I don't think they're really, really, really happy. But they love each other. They grew up together. But do you think if they had the option of, you know, like divorce or something like that, if it wasn't a sort of a socio-cultural taboo, they... Maybe, but I think they are good together. I mean, he was a good guy and she was a good woman. But I know, like, for example, my mom's best friend who was living next door to her, her husband was cheating on her because he had, you know, it was arranged. Um, I've heard a lot of stories of my mom's generation where the women were cheating on their husbands or were not happy. I think a couple of them got divorced and it was such a bad thing at that time. I'm talking like 50s and 60s. It was pretty bad. Um, can, can we say that love is sort of synonymous or interchangeable with convenience? So um, if, I, if, like, if I get married to a woman and the woman gets married to me, we never knew each other before, but um, my life is comfortable with her and her life is comfortable with me. So... Would that automatically generate love? Or no. uh, which one is more important again? Like, is it convenience or love? Like, it is it on you? Whatever you need, because love is the perception of, your, of the person. It's what you believe. Some people find love is like, you know, having sex every day. To them, that's love. But some people say, I don't care about any of this stuff. I just want to have a good conversation with the person. Trust to me is more love. Love is such a deep meaning to everybody everybody has a different meaning i know like when somebody comes to me in the clinic and these i ask them always the first session tell me about your parents that they love you yeah they did they got me gifts every christmas to them that's love another person will say yeah you know what my mom used to tuck me in bed and read me stories that's love some other person will say yeah you know what we had dinner every time together mom and dad and my my siblings that's their point of view what love is 
So it's a perception. It's it's an interpersonal story. So some people to them love is yeah. You know what? I'm content with this woman that I just married. She's a nice woman. She cooks for me. I cook for you know we we please each other. We're happy. We don't fight. We're good. So, so you're saying it's an inter it's an intrapersonal story. It's interpersonal. Yeah. But uh, can I say it's also it's an you know like it's an intrapersonal story as well. Like is it between you know, me and myself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What do you need? What, what, um, what do you need to satisfy? What's missing? Because what is love is that you're looking for something that you are, didn't get from somewhere else. That's really what Freud was saying. We don't want to go into Freud, but Freud was saying love is you're looking for something that you couldn't get. So you find it with a partner. So, so someone to compliment you or like supplement something that is missing. Yeah, because to him, he thought love was something that you're lacking and you couldn't find it on your own, so you have to find another person to complete it. So that's why you perceive love. That's it's why like you, the, the lock and key relationship or like the exactly. jigsaw puzzle. Okay. Yeah, but so, yeah. With Freud, I don't know how far we want to go with him because, you know, he had a complex with sex and love and all that stuff. But he did have some kind of background on the basics of love because we do see that people... I'm not going to say opposite attract because opposite do attract in the beginning, but they end up going separate ways all the time. But it depends again, at what stage in your life did you meet the other person? Did you meet in your twenties or in your teens, in your thirties, your forties? I've seen people in their fifties falling in love and they're happy because you are going through different stages. Your life changes every 10 years. It's a lifespan. It's part of so, your life. So is it fair now to say that love doesn't really fade but it just goes from one phase to another yes it can go up or it could go down because in love there is also lust and attraction people change their body changes their physiology changes and the lust it's just uh, chemicals in under the belt so that changes with age as well and hormones and aging but the last part of love is the bond of the companionship this one may actually stay longer because that's the one that overrides the first two. Mm -hmm. But it can also go down because you may catch your wife cheating on you. Then it's done. There's no companionship, none of that stuff. If that was the only thing okay. holding the relationship together, it's gone. There's no and, bond. Uh, what are the love fertilizers or vitamins, you know, if, if you wish? So um, if you feel that you know, um, you're not having a very healthy bond anymore with your partner. Um, so what, what kind of things like love boosters, what are the love boosters? What things can I do or can she do in order to boost our love, to, to make it healthy again, to revive it, to rekindle, you know, the, the, the spark of love? Um, you know, one thing I don't do is couples counseling because that's usually the issue because I'm known to be a little bit harsh when couples come in. <laughs> like I like to work one-on-one -on -one because I don't sugarcoat it. I always tell them how, how it's done. Uh, when it comes to couples, when they're having problems and they come to me, they're like, Oh, we need a fertilizer. I'm like, why you come to me for? Because uh, you have to do it. You know what you need. I don't know. I mean, I can give you pointers, but I'm not going to say do this, do this. So, 
let me give you an example what a fertilizer will be no one will know only the couple will know because if you are working together 24 hours in the same store and you go home and you see each other at home and you're in front of each other 24 hours the fertilizer will not say oh spend more time together <laughs> the fertilizer maybe maybe you should take like a week apart everybody goes to a different place take a little break Versus people who are working all the time, they don't see each other. Maybe the fertilizer will say to them, you know, why don't you go on vacation for 10 days or something to just spark it. But that's only temporary, Muhammad. It's only temporary. So you, you need to break the daily routine or like this vicious cycle or circle you're in. You need to like um, take a detour for a while, ventilate, and then come back. But that's only temporary. You may come back okay. from a vacation happy and everything, for five days and you go back to the same cycle again. Um, mm. The fertilizer comes in from inside because maybe there is something you are missing, not as a couple. You have to remember when you are in a relationship, you need to treat the person as one person that needs their own need, the other couple, the other person, and the relationship. The relationship needs to also be nourished as separate. It's three people. A lot of people think that in a, in a marriage is only two people. I always say, no, it's three. You take care of yourself, your partner takes care of herself, and you, then you take care of the relationship. You treat it as another thing, another being. That's the best way to do it. So if I, when I tell you what's a fertilizer, I say, well, let's talk about you and me first. Let's talk about you. Let's fertilize you, and then let's fertilize your partner. Then you guys will fertilize your relationship. And it's, it's not necessarily the same kind of fertilizer. So... Uh, each one of them might need different supplements. It's not necessarily the same for both. Exactly. But they do okay. get homework. So what I do is I, for example, let's say you and your wife are coming. So I tell you, okay, Muhammad, give me the top 10 things you love about your wife. Mm -hmm. Write them down. And then you will do that as a homework without her knowing. I will ask the same for your wife to write her 10 top list of things that she loves about you. Then you both have to sit down over dinner and show the list to each other. Because you will be super, like, if, so every night I'm giving you homework to do. You have to first discover yourself and then you share with each other. Then what are the things that you're willing to give away or give up about the faults of the other person? So the best fertilizer is the communication between the couple because if there is no bond, if there's no communication and they're breaking up, there's not, no fertilizer, no tine, nothing, <laughs> nothing will work. Nothing is going to work. That's why I don't like couples counseling because. If people are at this stage of the couple's counseling, yeah, it's a 50-50 chance. But most of the couple counselors will tell them, you have to do it. Okay. Nothing and, to do with the counselor. And um, are some people sort of obsessed with premarital love, like this love euphoria? So um, some people just, um, they, they have this incredible obsession with um you know because where does the euphoria come from is that um i'm always looking forward to the day when i'll be with you all the time uh there's like um no matter how much you know satisfaction i get from being with you now but it's incomplete and you know this 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 uh longing makes this euphoria and makes it like makes this huge um uh, you know um aurora if you wish um or halo 
of romance. But once we're together, the longing is, is not there anymore. Um, are some people really addicted to this or uh, obsessed with this pre-marital eufor euphoria? Yeah, of course, especially in our culture, Muhammad, no, it's society. You have daughters, so imagine if you're the parents and you're telling the, your daughters, you are not complete until you find the right man. Because you remember how the culture pushes the woman that, you know, you need to find a husband, you need to find a husband, you need to find a husband. So the brainwashing is hitting in from society that you're in, and especially if the parents are kind of, I don't want to say the word ignorant, but they're telling their daughters that they're nothing, they're, they're worthless without a man because they need a man. Um, and you keep pumping this into the kid. As soon as the kid is a teenager, all she's looking at, because you brainwash her that she's not complete. She needs to find a husband. So she starts to fantasize about finding a husband, fantasize about anything. So it's all brainwashing. It's all putting in the stuff in the brain of the child to, to pump them like that. I did have a friend a while back, Hamad, it was a nightmare. Every time we go anywhere, oh, I'm going to marry this guy. She thought every guy wants to marry her. And she just wanted to get married. Anybody. She didn't care. She just wanted to get married. I'm like, what's wrong with you? What, what is wrong with you? She's educated. She works in a very high uh, job. Like, I was shocked. She's well-educated, top senior executive. She still finds herself as incomplete without a man. And this was 10 years ago. So I don't know. I think it comes down to how the parents nurture their kids. And if, if you tell your daughter, listen, go to school, study, be who you are. And then when you're ready, you find the right partner. She will not be obsessed with that as much. She will marry whenever, or find the love she wants when she feels this ready. Mm -hmm. Then bumping her, saying to her, no, 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 we just want to get rid of you. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know what and, I mean? And again, the other component is the longing. You know, like um, uh, we always meet, but it's always time to say goodbye. And uh, in many cultures, if you're not married, then there is, um, you know, th there are like um, curfews. There are, there are limitations. There are, you know, uh, there are barriers that you cannot uh, go beyond. So uh, even if you have lust, you can express that lust just to a little extent. Not you cannot really let it go. Yeah. So you're always longing for this thing to come, um, th which which goes away once you get married. Once you get married, this longing is not there. But um, last question, but never least, really, what are the consequences of getting really addicted or or, or having a deep obsession, a serious obsession? A severe obsession with premarital love or this longing. You, you always want to be in, in, in like, you know, a romantic love. The, um, you know, it's considered a mental disorder. So um, the American Psychological Association um, has like three uh, parts of mental disorders. We have A, B, and C. So A is like the extremely bad, the psychopath, the really strange people. These are, um, and then we have the middle ones who are like kind of weird and odd. And then we have the sad part. These guys are in the middle. Like this is how serious their mental disorder is because it's considered compulsive. It's so severe that they cannot function. That compulsion, that um, obsession is not only with marriage. They have 
uh, the same trait all across their uh, love life, their relationship, everyday stuff. Is it a form of psychosis? Can we say Not that? Like, no, it's obsession. It's obsession. 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 It's like, um, you know, OCDs, washing their hands all the time mm. or um, checking the door, checking the windows all the time, obsession, compulsive, uh, compulsive uh, obsession disorder. Some people have an obsession with marriage. Some people have obsession with um, wearing the white dress. It's like, uh, so if you have this obsession of, of romance, hot romance, can this lead you to cheat on your partner? Um, if you're not happy, oh yeah. Oh yeah, because it's like drugs. It's the same feeling as drugs. I don't know if you've ever seen these people who um, always washing their hands. They mm -hmm. wash yeah. keep yeah. washing, and then they go and they sit there, they dry it, they come back and they wash, they wash, they wash. And, and sometimes they, they wash the soap bar itself. So they have a bar of soap and then they wash the bar of soap with another <laughs> bar of soap. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's very um, impulsive. They cannot think. It's done naturally. It, it becomes automatic. And people who have obsession with anything, they need a lot of treatment. I mean, they don't get psychosis, antipsychosis and stuff, but they need a lot of therapy, which I, which I do with them. But haram, they really struggle because they have to break a very hard habit of doing something all the time. We all have obsession. We all have a little bit. Yani, but some people develop it as they keep longing for that. They become completely obsessed. So, so they're, they're sort of in, in the end of the spectrum. So we, we are all somewhere in the, in the spectrum, but usually like we're not at the end, the far end, but those people we're talking about are sort of in the far end of the spectrum of obsession. Like, yes, because they're actually in the clusters of mental disorders. I mean, they're, mm -hmm. they're mentioned there. That's how, listen, we all have a little bit. Let's say I'm interested in watching TV and um, some food falls on the floor. I will not stop. I will have to pick it up and throw it out. Like some people will leave the food on the floor, but I'm kind of compulsive. Like I don't like to see food on the floor. So I have a little bit, or I don't leave the house until I make my bed. So we have, we have a little bit, but compulsive, um, that's a little bit of compulsive, but obsession is like I follow a person around, you know, these guys who follow girls around and they wait for them at the door and all that stuff. That's mental disorder. Why does it happen? Because they have something missing. They have been rejected. They had, um, something had happened to them traumatic as a child and they kept it. Uh, and if that's not met, they could become sociopath. They could. They could easily do some weird stuff. So they're in the middle cluster. So A, B, C, they're in the B. That's pretty bad. The C is like a psychopath. I understand. Yeah. And yeah. so it is. It is really a serious matter here. Yeah. Um, you know, um, it, do you want it at, at the end, would you like to give us sort of a, a prescription or an antidote to overcome this obsession if you have it is there an antidote to that um, you want the truth it's hard to do it on your own mm -hmm. yeah, no it depends how long you've been dealing with it so usually i have i'm treating two ladies right now with this um i think after six months of every week i see them that they start to see the change. It takes a long time to stop the, this pattern because it's a, it, it happens automatically without you knowing sometimes. Um, 
what I have to do the first maybe six sessions is get you to notice when this obsession happened, to get you to notice that because it's happened from the subconscious without you being aware of it. Mm-hmm. So it takes time for the client to learn to be aware of when did this happen? What triggered it? What thoughts were going in my mind? So there's a lot of like journaling to note down when did this obsession happen? What time? What happened before? What happened after? And then we compare and we try to see a way to reframe their distorted uh, thoughts. It's hard to break a habit. So these are the, um, I, I don't think it's very hard to do it alone unless you're very strong to know how to override it. You have very strong free will. You can, of course. I'm not saying you need a therapy. But usually you need external help from a professional. You, yeah, because you will get to a breaking point or sometimes it's hard. You know, your conscious mind is this small, the subconscious, this is big. So you need someone. This is the one controlling it. You need someone to guide you to have this guy take over. Um, a little bit. But once you're here, you're perfect. You're perfect. You're perfect. Okay, well, that's, that's great news. That's great oh, news. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the very end, Odise, like as usual, thank you very much for being with us tonight and uh, really looking forward to having you with us uh, as always. Of course. Thank you, Mohammed. Thank you very much. And, You're welcome. Uh,